Yo, yo. Welcome to the Elbner's Podcast. I am Andy, here as always with my friend and fellow album listener, dude. What up, buddy? How's it going? <sighs> Just sipping coffee. I don't know if I'm ready for this, but welcome to the show, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Better get ready, man. The music will, will get me there. Yeah, we got some music that will get us up and moving today. Uh, before we get into that, did you uh, happen to watch the Super Bowl? It was last night. It's pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Of course, I watched it. I was happy with the outcome because the Buccaneers beat my team to make it into the Super Bowl to beat the Green Bay Packers. So I, uh, I typically root for the team that beats my team. Yeah, well, it's logical then because it means like your team basically could have right. won the Super Bowl. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, unless it's a if it's a division rival, like if it was the Vikings or the ugh, Lions beating them to go to the Super Bowl, I'd be totally rooting against the Lions. <laughs> <You know? Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> but in this case, make an exception. Yeah, and it's Tom Brady. I mean, the miracle man, the seven Super Bowl ring dude. I mean, that's, that's amazing. amazing. That really is incredible. Yeah. So if you hate him or love him or whatever, the guy wants to win. He doesn't have to win. He's rich. <laughs> He's handsome. He right. needs nothing, <laughs> but he still needs to win. Just doing it for the love of the game, man. Gotta, gotta respect that. It's kind of like, uh, it's kind of what we do here on the show. Just for the love yes. of music. <laughs> Nothing to prove anymore. <laughs> no, we've got jobs. This doesn't like make us any bank, but, uh, you know, we, we love the music. We're handsome. We've got the world on a string. <laughs> Both got beautiful wives now and, uh, yep. <laughs> I, uh, really quick before we get into the albums, a uh, couple quick things I want to mention in regards to supporting the show. Uh, we do have a, a PayPal uh, where you could donate a little money to the show. We'd really appreciate it and help us cover costs. You can just go to uh, albumnerds.com slash support. I'll take you right there. Throw us a couple bucks. We'd appreciate it. And also... Love to know your thoughts on these records. Leave us a voicemail at 585-210-2454. Tell us what you think of these records, what you've been listening to. Just a brief little message. It would really, uh, you know, make our day, and maybe we'll feature you on a future episode. Uh, I'm tired. <sighs> wakey, wakey, buddy. Let's do it. Wakey, wakey, hands off, snakey. You ever hear that? <laughs> I thought it was eggs and bakey. <laughs> No, I, it was <laughs> hands off snaky because fellas often uh, have their hands in their pants when they, when they yeah. wake up. <laughs> it's funny how that happens, isn't it? <laughs> That's, uh, men are obsessed, whether they're awake or asleep. <laughs> All right. It's album time. Let's do it. Okay, so we're going to start with a fellow named John Bowman. The album is Country Shade. This came out in June of 2020, and the song is The Country Doesn't Sound the Same. Strangest of times, no matter where you stand, you're always on opposing sides. As the noise runs round the clock and no one can cut through. I don't know when it will end I don't know what we can do 
I lie awake at night and wonder how I don't know what to think of us now It doesn't do no good in laying blame The country doesn't sound the same All right, so that was John Bowman from the album Country Shade, and the song was The Country Doesn't Sound the Same. And that's uh, a country album, as a as a matter of fact. It's got uh, country in the album title, country in the song title. So I <laughs> think it's the pretty country clear. Boxes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you get much of an argument out of anybody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, John Bowman is a Texas Red Dirt country guy. He This is his third album. He is part of the Panhandlers, who we talked about on the show several times over 2020. One of my favorite albums of 2020 was a collaboration album he did with three other guys. Um, And this is the first of his solo albums that I've listened to. How about you, Andy? I assume you had not. No, I just knew him from the the Panhandlers. That's it. So, singer-songwriter guy. Yeah, singer-songwriter guy has been a songwriter for other bands uh, other artists, Kenny Chesney, that kind of thing. Uh, so that song, The Country Doesn't Sound the Same, pretty cool. I, I like the, it's got this kind of double meaning. Yeah. The song starts off about the FM radio and how the songs aren't the same. They used to be about faith and family and and how country music has changed. But then also the, the portion we listened to was more about how the country itself has changed and people are divided and, and all that. Of course, this was written before the pandemic and the bigger fracture in our country, but there it was already there. Mm-hmm. So that says a lot, Andy, that uh, these these kinds of songs exist before the rest of us became really aware of how bad the divide can be here. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of like some of the uh, you know the seventies uh, civil rights songs we've listened to recently. You know how much they're still relevant yeah. nowadays. Things don't change that much, but I really enjoyed that opening cut quite a bit. I thought that was uh, some of the strongest songwriting on the record. I really appreciated yeah. his message there. Yeah, I mean, so I really enjoyed this album. It's very straightforward for the most part. The guy mm-hmm. has wears his heart on his sleeve. The songwriting is very simple. There's a lot of common phrases used, things you may have heard before. But he does it in a way that is comfortable, and I think that's what I enjoy about the Panhandlers. And and then hearing like talking about a, uh, one of the solo guys from it, it's kind of interesting to put uh, frame it up against against that and see him on his own. All in all, what did you think of this album? Was it strong, weak, or somewhere in the middle? Um, I'm, so I would say a mixed on this in general. Sparse musically. There's a couple of songs on here that are a little bit more. A little bit more rhythm to them. Sunday morning going up. I enjoyed that. And second to last track, Flight Anxiety, I thought was pretty cool too, which is a little bit more humorous yeah. and a little bit more, I don't know, relatable for me, I guess. It is about being uh, afraid to fly, right? Yeah, exactly. And he kind of tells those, you know, those airplane stories are always funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not related to those particular songs. The, the more quieter moments, I guess, is kind of where they lose me. His songwriting is good but like you said it's so plain spoken and just uh there's not a lot of flowery language to really dig into or 
Um, yeah, a lot of not a lot of metaphors, more turns of phrase, right. which I think kind of harkens to the South and Texas and how you know there's sort of those Texans in particular known for saying something like, "Well, that's bigger than a Skeeter's Peter on a you know on a summer's day." The, these sayings, these these phrases they throw around that you're like, "Was that made yeah. up?" But it has it's that familiar sort of folksy feel of some of the the turns of phrase. Yeah. yeah, it's not poetic per se. I mean, there are moments on Second Wind, for instance, there's some really good like uh, metaphor and around not knowing when you're younger that you're going to have to have a second wind to live the rest of your life, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, in terms of, Andy, you were talking about the sparseness. I like that. You know I like that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's something you and I are going to struggle with as we talk about these kind of albums because I like that and you right. feel you feel unsatisfied. Like I'm smoking my cigarette after the, after the night of <laughs> simple acoustic passion, but you're like, where's my beats? <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's pretty accurate. The other thing that kind of, I guess not bothered me, but it felt like maybe made some of the simpleness a little bit harder to uh, get behind was, a lot of these songs are about the same thing, at least in my from my perspective, which is sort of, yes. uh, you know, make the most of the day and you don't, don't, don't take things for granted type message. Yeah. He's not being Which too. is a good message, but uh, I feel like country music is so focused on that in oh, general. Oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> like, isn't there anything else you but, can say? Yeah, but I mean, f- love and family and, and appreciating the things that you have are, are important. But yeah, I get your point and it, uh, there were moments as well where I recognized that um, I think that's just who he is. But when all there is is a, a little guitar and a little drum and the guy's voice and words mm-hmm. to focus on, then it's easier to pick up on it over and over again as opposed to a lot of other types sure. of music where there's a f- whole bunch going on and it you're not necessarily as tuned in to what he's saying. Yeah, I think that's true. I enjoyed it. I think you didn't hate it, so that's something. Uh, <laughs> so if you dig the simple country uh, red dirt Texas scene, then please go check out John Bauman, even if you don't. Maybe check it out anyway. John Bauman, Country Shade. All right, all right, all right. Good pick, man. So, for my new release pick here, we're going to talk about the band Viagra Boys. A 2021 release here, actually. Their record, Welfare Jazz, came out in January. We're going to play a cut. That's about two-thirds of the way through the record. This is I Feel Alive. taste of I Feel Alive from the Viagra Boys off their record Welfare Jazz. So this is their second full length for the Swedish six-member group. My first... Actually, no, I did hear about them. No, I didn't. Different band. <laughs> Different band, pretty sure. Was it uh, the Cialis Boys? <laughs> Cialis kids, yeah. <laughs> 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 they call me the Cialis kid. <laughs> 
I would call this post-punk. They have elements of punk rock in there mixed in with uh, electronics and some saxophone as well for good measure. It's a very stompy record. Like there's a lot, a strong sense of rhythm throughout, which I enjoy. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's, this is a record I liked right from the beginning as soon as I heard it. It's got some unexpected twists and turns. It doesn't really stay in one genre, which, as you know, I appreciate. But what did you think, man? Have you heard of these guys before? No. Was this tolerable? It was tolerable. It was one of those so Andy type of moments where it's like, okay, yeah. it can't just be, it can't just be punk or post punk. It's funny to me, post punk, because yeah, you know, punk to the real punk was in the late seventies, early eighties. So then there was the post punk period that was uh, the uh, new wave sound, right? Elvis Costello and all that kind of stuff that started Devo, all that that came in. That was post-punk, technically, right? <laughs> well, yeah, and I guess everything this is, is post-punk. Yeah, yeah, and now this is post-punk more like, uh, would it be post, like, Blink-182 and Green Day? I mean, what are we talking about here? <laughs> it's a good question, man. These, the genre names are ridiculous, in my opinion, too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn it. I was hoping for some real, like... I think... It's punk adjacent, like it has elements of punk, okay. but there's other stuff mixed in there is kind of how I interpret it. It's kind of just a catch-all sort of phrase for anything punk-related. Yeah, I mean, it was it was okay. It was quirky, and it had the horns and the jazz stuff, and, it, you know, it was fun. I, I get it. It was, uh, again, it did remind me of some uh, 80s experimentations of this type of thing. It sounded semi-familiar, but I liked the different flavors. Let's talk about some of the tracks. Yes. So, at the beginning of the record, it's probably the most catchy song, Ain't Nice, in which he is uh, just talking about how he's not a very nice person. He likes to take care of his own things and scare everybody else, but it's super, super infectious, groovy, stompy dance track. Same with uh, two tracks later there, Toad. Another song about kind of like, ah, oh, you're a really nice girl, but I don't want to be tied down. I'm a rambler on the street. Who likes to be loose and rambling about. So really enjoyed both of those songs. Yeah, so that, that I really enjoyed the first few songs there, and it kind of was what I was expecting, I guess, when I got into this record. Um, but then a song like Into the Sun comes on, which is this super uh, heavy reverbed, kind of like acid freak out, like four-minute track there, which I thought was pretty cool and kind of threw me for a bit of a loop when I first heard it. And the song's much more kind of repensive. The line is, I'll stop all my rambling and playing around to earn back your love into the sun. Yeah, so I think if you boil this down, it's a punky album that's weird, but can yeah. be fun. But it's it's weird. Yeah, so, you know, I don't think it's like a five-star record, but I definitely think it's one of the more interesting records I've heard in 2021 so far. So once again, the record is... Welfare Jazz from the Viagra Boys. Worth a listen, I would say. If you're open to something a little bit different. All right, folks. We've done some new-ish. Now we're going to do some old-ish. It's time. Old dogs. All right. Old dog time when we talk about some albums that are a little bit older, but we still listen to and love. And my pick this week is an artist named Jet. That's the name of the band. The album is Get Born. And this track, Are You Gonna Be My Girl? 
I said, are you going to be my girl? All right, so that was Jet with Are You Gonna Be My Girl from the 2003 album Get Born. I like that album a lot back in 2003. uh, Jet was an Australian band formed in 2001. Two brothers, the Kester brothers and a couple of other fellas, they sold 6.5 million albums. They dissolved in 2012 but got back together in 2016. This was their debut. Andy. I'm sure you are familiar with at least some of these songs, yes? Oh, yes. I think I heard that one about a thousand times or so. <laughs> well, no. it, was in the iPod. <laughs> it was in the iPod ad. <laughs> that's, that's where I know it from. It was really popular. Oh, my gosh. And, you know, I think everybody, at least in the U.S., knew that song. Yeah, it was... Uh, For a hot minute or two. Yes, or two. Yeah, yeah. so Jet was one of those like garage rock revival bands although i often call them the the bands you know there was the strokes the hives the vines <laughs> the true. white stripes but jet was the one Where's that the was that didn't have the so that made them Good stand them. out uh they had a acdc <laughs> so original yeah. <laughs> they were original. See, they yeah. didn't have the. They, but this band, what they did really well for that garage rock revival, in my opinion, and on this album in particular, was take familiar sounds like "Are You Gonna Be My Girl" has been compared to "Lust for Life" by Iggy Pop. Yeah, very similar. Sure. Dun 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 or dun 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 thing going on. Yeah, the jangle. But they had the Rolling Stones uh, strut feel they had acdc riffage i mean they're both australian bands uh the beatles harmony kind of uh orchestral moments so they kind of took all these sounds and made them their own i thought the vocalist was great i thought his voice was perfect for that kind of music the right intonations and they just captured that sound i mean in 2003 i was into this I was into The Darkness. That album came out that year. It was a year of these mm. sort of revisitations of familiar sounds and and bands pulling it off. What did you think of this, though? I mean, as a whole. Yeah, well, that was kind of the question I wanted to answer. was like, okay, outside of Are You Gonna Be My Girl, is there anything here of value? I think you mentioned The Beatles. There's a few songs on here that they really do kind of tap into that Beatles vibe, yep. which I wasn't expecting at all based on the single. And I think those were the strongest and those kind of, I guess, won me over on them the most. Um, the track, Look What You've Done. Yes, I rate, love that song. Which is a couple tracks right after the single. It's really, it's really a good song, actually. It's a great song. Yeah, it's got a Lennon-McCartney vibe to it. I, I loved it at the yeah. time. That's the reason I bought the album. I uh, went out and bought the CD. Uh, I liked Are You Gonna Be My Girl, and I liked Cold Heart mm-hmm. Bitch, but I was like, eh, it's more the, you know, more the same kind of garage rock revival thing, and I liked a lot of those bands, but yeah, they got me for sure on Look What You've Done. I was like, there's more to this band. Yeah. I'll check this out. Uh, yeah, so there's a handful of those songs I think work really well, um, and there's a handful of like those stompy ACDC songs. I mean, if you could compare it to, directly to ACDC, like these guys sound so polished and pristine, which I think is more of a product of the time. Yeah. You know, like recording in the early 2000s, like that was just kind of the sound that was popular. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There were a, a few misses on here, I would say, in general for me. Actually, I think the song you're going to play 
Yeah. Next was one I didn't really care for that much. So I'll be curious to hear your thoughts on that in a second. Yeah. So there are a few ballads. All the ballads were pretty solid. Lazy Gun, the second to last album or second to last song, had a ballady feel to it, but then it broke into yeah. this more poppy kind of cool groove. And yeah, I thought that was a good, really good, actually. Yeah. And you would have liked them to end there, right? That, that was my closer, man. <laughs> time I got to uh, this last song, okay. I was like, uh. So, in th- this song is what has stuck in my head for years and one of the reasons I come back to it. So, we're going to play a, a bit of Timothy, which is the final track. All right, so that was Timothy from Jet's album, Get Born. Andy, what what were your thoughts on this? We'll start with you, then I'll fill you in on what I know about it. I guess it just it felt overly emotional for the rest of the record. Uh, like it really stuck out from that regard. Um, and I think having it last, like it felt like it, he really had something to say about this person I assume who was in his life at one point. And then by putting it last, it's like, okay, is this really important? Because it felt like he had a lot of emotion behind it, but didn't really fit on the record at all where they have it. Yeah. I mean, I agree that it didn't quite fit, and I think that's why it has intrigued me over the years. As I've, When I've come back to this album, it's largely been because I get a bit of that in my head. It always oh, okay. confused that's- me because it is different than the rest of the album. It I think it's the most purely them without the other influences. I think it's the most Jet song on the album, and maybe that's why it doesn't fit. Hmm. So that song is based on a story one of the other band members uh, told where his his parents had had a little boy before he was born and the the baby died, and he always felt like he was the replacement, like the fill-in. Like there was a something missing, and he mm. always felt like he wasn't good enough, and that uh, he was a. Uh, so the the first bits. So then uh, they wrote a song about it. The first line is Timothy, I took your place, Timothy, because it's such a waste. So it's a really that's really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's there's a real. It's really in, in like the line that we listen to, where mom's in the kitchen crying to try to say goodbye so this kid felt the weight this guy grew up feeling the weight of being a replacement son it's just such a heartfelt song that was uh beautifully written and performed and sung and it tells a story that you can really grip onto emotionally which uh is what kind of sets it apart from the rest of the album right so i i would hesitate to say it doesn't I mean, I kind of said it doesn't fit, but it, it does fit. It just is too good to let go. And, and I'm glad it's on the album. And I think they probably put it last because it did kind of stand alone. And I think it still does. Awesome song. Um, 
one of my favorites on this album. Yeah, it's interesting. I, you know, like, not it wouldn't have worked at, in 2003. Like, at least it wouldn't have been commercially uh, successful for them. But if they put together a record of songs like that and, like, some of these more beatily singer-songwriter mm-hmm. tracks, I think this would be, it could be a really interesting record to hear. And yeah, that's what I was hoping for was development of their songwriting. And I did continue to go back to this because it does have that balance of fun, garage rock with some familiar sounds, and they do that well. And then there's a couple little depth pieces that tell you that there's more to it. There's more to them than just sounding like a little like ACDC. All of the, you know, they have all these influences mixed in. In, in an article I read, the, uh, the guitarist was saying that their biggest influence was Hi-Fi Way, the name of an album by an Australian band by UMI. Hmm. Okay. So I went and checked out this Australian band, UMI, and they're like an indie rock band. They've got a bunch of really good albums, including Hi-Fi Way. I found a little something new to listen to that I'd never heard of before. I, I you know, like they were a big deal there, kind of like I think... Um, up in Canada, you've got uh, Tragically Hip. You know, it's sort of their own homegrown rock heroes. So go check that band out too. Very interesting stuff. It's fun to hear that they're influenced by something I've never heard of, which was not how I've ever thought of Jet. So if you like Jet or if you remember Jet or if you just like that upbeat rock sound, go check out Get Born. It's still a fun listen all these years later. It holds up. For, for the kind of album it is. They're not trying to change the world. They're just trying to make some good music. Check it out. All right. Well, cool pick there, man. It's definitely a bit of a walk down memory lane for me. So uh, thanks for bringing that up. So for my uh, old dog selection here, we're talking about a group from back a little bit further in time, 1989, and Fugazi's, I guess you could say, debut full length. Though technically... It's two EPs sandwiched together. Talking about... You'd never... You would never let me get away with this. <laughs> no, I'd be throwing the flags on you left and right. This is your pick. But since it's mine, we'll let it slide. So talking about 13 songs from Fugazi, we are going to play the opening cut on the record, which I think will also be pretty familiar for everybody out there. This is Waiting Room. So it's a taste of Waiting Room off of uh, the record 13 songs by Fugazi. So Fugazi is the Washington, D.C. punk rock four-piece known for pushing punk rock kind of into the future. Some would say laying the groundwork for what would become the alternative rock of the 90s. Agree, disagree, dude? Hot take? Uh, no hot take. I... I do agree because I didn't hear of them until Eddie Vedder said he likes Fugazi, in which case that I liked Fugazi, but I didn't ever get any of their albums or anything. But it, now, you know, as a many years later, that just sounds like soccer hooligans from Washington, D.C. right there, which is really, it's an interesting sound. It's not, 
and I, I it absolutely is a bridge between punk and 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 part of what alternative, particularly the Seattle sound, was a mix of punk and hard rock and blending it together. So yeah, I I hear it for sure. Yeah, well, as so often is the case, it's kind of uh, something new comes from blending two old things together. So their goal was to kind of sound like the Stooges with a reggae vibe. I don't know if I exactly pick up on the reggae vibe a huge amount, but definitely pick up on the Stooges. That's that's not a that's not a great goal. <laughs> I think those were the things they appreciated at the time. They were well known for their kind of like very stringent stringent DIY ethics, um, kind of doing everything themselves. They were famous for trying to keep the prices of their tickets, their shows, uh, low as possible. I think for a while it was just five bucks to see them in concert. I always held them in high regard. And I feel like they're one of those like bastions of like punk music that really is held pristinely. Like they had never really sold out or changed their sound or tried to fit in. They were just doing the new thing and, and uh, were pretty influential on everybody around them. Hey, what do you think about their name, Fugazi? I looked into it. Because yeah. I never knew what it was, and then I saw a movie in the 90s that made me think it meant something else. You ever see Donnie Brasco? Uh, the Johnny Depp gangster movie? Yes. Yeah, I've seen it. What's Fugazi mentioned in there? Well, they say Fugazi. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, hold on. Is you should give it to somebody that don't know any better, because that's a Fugazi. All right? That's a Fugazi? How do you know it's a Fugazi? You looked at it for two seconds. What? It's a fake. But yeah, I know what a Fugazi is. Uh, so okay. I saw Donnie Brasco, right? <laughs> and they're looking at a diamond, and and Donnie Brasco is telling Lefty that it's a Fuga- it's a Fugazi. So I'm like, oh, th- that must be the band. Fugazi must mean fake. Yeah. Wrong. No, different, different <laughs> word. Or- Actually, yeah, yeah. So, um, God. Ian McKay said that he was reading a book, uh, it was about Vietnam, and there was a phrase that guys in Vietnam, like soldiers used, Fugazi, which stood for fucked up, got ambushed, zipped, and then zipped being in a body bag. Oh, so, oh my gosh. I did not know that. Yeah. Isn't that dark? It is. <laughs> so it's like about getting killed in war. Oh my gosh. Just about like the ultimate uh, foobar. The ultimate fuck up, yeah. So uh, I guess that stuck with them from reading it, but uh, that that's what I found on the internet, folks. So enjoy that. Whether it's true or not, let us know. Well, that's an interesting <laughs> little tidbit, man. Did not know that. I wish it was like Fugazi. Fugazi, yeah. <laughs> they pretty much have to be Italian, though, if they're going to have a band called Fugazi. <laughs> Fugazi, talking about here. Basically took the spirit of the hardcore punk scene of the early to mid 80s there bands like uh minor threat maybe uh bad brains black flag black flag good one yeah a little more aggressive a little more fast a little more samey i guess i would say in comparison to fugazi they really gave all these different elements in the group all the different members much more space to breathe much fuller sound though it doesn't sound overproduced by any means there's a real raw visceral quality to it which i love and super funky bass lines which uh kind of get the the music a lot of momentum lyrics deal with 
you know, things you might expect in punk rock music, self-reliance, kind of like a defiant, angry vibe. But there are tracks on here, too, that deal a lot with empathy. Uh, actually, the cut we're going to play next, uh, Suggestion, is sung from the point of view of a woman who is just dealing with all the uh, unwanted attention from her male counterparts. Uh, the line here is, why can't I walk down the street free of suggestions? Is my body the only trait in the eyes of men? Really interesting song. I hadn't really heard anything like this at the time. Uh, why don't we go ahead and just uh, play a bit of suggestion right now. Yeah, at the end of the song, he says, you know, uh, we're all guilty because we're all we're here. We're all participating in this social experiment together, which I thought was a really cool message. Which, you know, I love that kind of shit in my punk rock music. That mm-hmm. A little bit of a, a reason for the screaming. Yeah, I mean, this, this band in particular, but bands of this type, and I don't listen to them enough. One of the things I like most is like we, I talk about in country music, that real, like the, the gut-wrenching sounds are real, right? This is reflection of how someone really feels. Yeah. And the music comes out of that. It doesn't come out of trying to be made to sound like something. And I don't know how much of that DIY sort of music exists out there. I mean, it's there, and we're able to find it now because of the internet. But in terms of people being aware, you've got to be... L- looking for this now and there were more chances to catch this stuff before there were so many outlets yeah yeah no i totally agree man um i think the spirit is still there in some of the music i know we've talked about on the show over the years uh but these guys were really i don't want to say the forebears of it but there was such a shining example of like what it could be i guess to do that the godfathers yeah yeah hey it's a full gate <laughs> All right, so yeah, you know, very obviously a very influential record for a lot of musicians that would come up in the '90s. Um, very influential for my musical taste mm-hmm. as well. Go on and listen to these guys quite a bit. But yeah, this this debut record, I you know, just incredible. Uh, every track on here is, I think, killer. They each have a very specific message they're trying to get across. You know, they deal with things like gun ownership and uh, pollution and things we're talking about nowadays. So it sounds relevant today still. And the music, I think, sounds super fresh. Even for being from the late 80s, it it sounds like something you could hear on college radio today. I think that's pretty amazing, you know, almost like over 30 years later. Agree. Yeah. So Fugazi, definitely check out their discography if you're not familiar. Um, Really, really high quality stuff there from the group. Yeah, so that's a bit of taste of uh, 13 songs. It's my uh, old dog selection. Very nice. But I'm going to have to call it, Andy. The show is over. All y'all out there, tell us what you think of these albums and what you're listening to. So email us, podcast at albumnerds.com, or leave us a voicemail at 585-210-2454. Word up. If you want to do us a favor, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate it. We are on Instagram and Twitters. 
And uh, yeah, feel free to, if you want to toss us a few bucks, go to albumers.com slash support. We'd really appreciate it. Just help cover the cost of doing the show. Yeah, we'll uh, be back again in a couple weeks with some more album recommendations. Love to hear what you're listening to in the meantime. Shoot us a note or leave us a voicemail. Yeah, and uh, as always, thanks for listening. We'll catch you the next time on the Album Nerds Podcast. See you.